When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. We got a great one for you guys here today. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, but we have on the line for you guys today, Mr. Robbie from the Rum Boys Net joining us. So happy to do it because we're going to be talking about the Coaching Changes Fantasy Impact part one and because i knew we were going to talk about the redskins today i could think of nobody better to bring on than robbie but he's gonna stay with us the whole show robbie how are you doing today i am doing well man cheers to me cheers to you to the whole md's fantasy football crew dilly dilly i'm excited to be on uh this is this is gonna be an awesome episode i did a special the coaching carousel on uh, my sportscaster on youtube about some of these coaching changes so I'm, I'm i'm already brushed up and familiar so i'm excited man yeah, perfect, perfect. And this is a perfect time to do that too, right now, because right now we got the draft is over. We got a little bit in between time before we'll see when camps pick up again and we got some personnel things to go. But what you can talk about right now is what you know these coaches, what their style is going to be, what they're going to look to do. And you can kind of adjust some of your stats on what these players are going to be able to do within that philosophy. I think it's a big thing for fantasy football. I think it's something that doesn't get talked about uh, a lot. So I'm glad to see that you did it last week and we're going to be here doing it. This week as well. For you guys who do not know, we got we got Robbie here on the MD Nation hotline. Now, there's several ways you can get on the MD Nation hotline. You can always call the phone number 609-362-2480. You can leave a voicemail with a comment, question, or fantasy rant, and you will get you on the show in the mailbag segment at the end of each episode as those come in. You can always contact us on Twitter at MDSFF Show or Facebook at MDFF Show. Or you can email the show directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Robbie, where can people find you at? Oh, you guys can hit me up on all social media. I'm talking Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it. I'm accessible there at Rumboys, spelled with a Z N E T. Check us out on rumboys.com. All of our articles are there, all of our live streams, uploads are, are there as well. Um, and as well as as well as our merch. So um, check me out everywhere. Sportscasters, YouTube at Rumboys, spelled with a Z N E T. 
All right, all right. Now, before we get into the show, we always go through some off-season notes first. There's only one I wanted to really talk about today. We didn't get a chance to talk about because the last time I was here was last week, right before it happened. But Andy Dalton going to the Dallas Cowboys, signing for that one year. Uh, I believe it's $7 million total if he get, winds up getting the incentives. Uh, Robbie, what is your take on the whole Andy Dalton situation going to the Cowboys? Uh, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure as many people know, um, I think that this, this is going to hurt Dak, um, in terms of his trade talks, we're right around the corner from July, about two and a half months out, out from July. And I don't think that, that Dak is going to sign, uh, with Dallas long-term, um, I think they brought in Andy Dalton for, for a reason. And that reason be it more than just be a backup. I think that they feel that there, there's some turmoil there. There's a falling out possibly happening, waiting to happen between them and Dak. They figure, Hey, let's go in and get us a veteran guy. Who's probably going to fit our systems. uh, Who's going to fit our system a little bit better. It's a new coach there. Mike McCarthy. Uh, Usually what we see with new coaches is them wanting their guys and them wanting it their way. I don't know how much McCarthy, how much influence McCarthy is having over Jerry Jones uh, with this, but I mean, it's not looking good in Dallas. I see a lot of locker room problems happening. Um, I I think this signing, it helps from the backup quarterbacks uh, standpoint, releasing Cooper Rush, but it hurts them in terms of the interrelationship locker room uh, format. Yeah, I completely agree with that. My initial instinct was 100%. They did this to get some leverage in the contract negotiations. A lot of people were like, oh, just having a good quality backup. I'm like, you don't sign a guy like Andy Dalton, who has had a pretty decent career. Yes, he could be better. Yes, there were people you know who knock him all the time and make fun of him all the time and mock him all the time, and that, that's fine. But the, the fact is, this is a competent starting NFL quarterback who is kind of falling on some bad luck because, you know, we have Cam, you have James all having trouble to find quarterback positions right now. Cause there, there seems to be more quarterbacks that teams want to go with heading into this season than we've ever had before for yeah. one reason or another, whether it's because they think they're actually the franchise guy or whether it's because they want to move on next year. I'm talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's clear they want to stick with Minshew because they want to move on next year to something better, possibly Trevor Lawrence. But with Andy Dalton signing there now, uh, it opens up the whole door for them to be like, hey, our offense could arguably not miss a beat if we do not sign Dak Prescott. So that was my initial instinct on it. Now, here's what I will say that becomes a little bit interesting and could throw a caveat into that. Dak will and is willing to play on his franchise tender. So they don't necessarily have to get the long-term done deal for him to make himself available in the locker room. I think a lot of people are just kind of assuming if they don't get a contract done that he will hold out, but that really hasn't been the case or the indication. So what do you think if Dak just plays on his franchise tender and all this hoopla goes out the window? I mean, I still think, okay, you know, that we've never seen a, a quarterback when we look, look, look through the NFL history books, we've never seen a quarterback play on that tender and then re-sign with that team that he played on that tender with. It's never happened. Um, I am on the side of, of history repeats itself. Uh, I think that this is going to be a bold prediction, hot take, right? I think that Dak is going to be looking at, you guys didn't want to pay me the first time around, then you wanted to to, to, to go ahead, franchise tag me uh, for a year, I'm out of here, but guess what? You're still going to see me twice a year. Dwayne, you're not doing too well up there, uh, up in Washington. There's rumors of possibly, you know, not understanding the playbook and possibly, you know, maybe him having some sort of dyslexia, this, that, and the third, um, Kyle Allen, I get that. Hey, you know, you were a backup in in that Robert Vera system. Uh, maybe you step up. Eh, nah, I'm not feeling that. I don't think that he's an NFL startable week to week quarterback. So pass there. I think that 
somehow, some way, Dak ends up in Washington, faced Dallas twice. Ooh, Robbie's like, come to my team. Come to my team. I'll take you in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily want him, but I could see just the way the business and the politics of the NFL work out. I, I could see that it uh, shapes out that way. But even if that was to be the case, we were talking about next season from him moving on, which I don't disagree could wind up if they don't get a contract done. But for this season, for fantasy purposes, I still think Dak's going to play one way or another. People are looking at Andy Dalton in some dynasty leagues if he's going to have some possible value. I think Dak's going to play one way or another. It's just going to be interesting from an NFL standpoint what happens with the contract negotiations. But let's go ahead and segue into your team. Let's talk about what we came here to talk about, which is the coaching changes. And they're one of the few teams that had a complete overhaul of their entire coaching staff. There's a lot of teams that did some coordinator changes, but the Redskins all in, bring in Ron Rivera, they bring in Scott Turner, they bring in Jack Del Rio. Let's start off with, it's not fantasy sexy, but let's start off with Ron Rivera. What can he do for that defense? There's already a lot of talk about that with Chase Young coming in, the defensive line they already had in place. The fact that under Ron Rivera, they'll be switching to an attacking 4-3, which may fit their personnel better than what we saw a season ago when they were on a 34 defense there. what Could could this be a up-and-coming fantasy defense or just good defense in general? Oh, 100%. This is definitely, um, one, going to be a good, a good fantasy defense. Two, this is going to have individual defensive pieces in it for your IDP league. So if you, those of you that are competing in IDP or, um, or IDP dynasty formats, you're going to want to go and get a Chase Young. Um, I actually found myself in, into a master's invitational, uh, fantasy football league where I'm looking at Chase Young as, as my defensive rookie. I think that this unit is definitely going to be, uh, significantly impressive, uh, uh, Del Rio. Having head coach the uh, Raiders, so he has some experience. Uh, he's also worked with the uh, with the Denver Broncos, and that was an amazing Denver Broncos defense uh, that they that they had had uh, that they had a couple of years ago. Um, I believe that defense was the defense that was in the Super Bowl uh, against Cam Newton. Uh, he had took that defense from practically dead last, to, so I believe they ended up being what second in the league that year. So I, I think that, yes, this defense is absolutely fantasy relevant. Uh, despite my last take, you know, my during my bowl prediction, uh, knocking Dwayne Hassan, I think he takes the next step offensively. Um, I don't have a significantly proving in record, maybe a six-win team as, as a whole, uh, just because there's so much new happening in the organization. And also Rivera's coming in to also establish culture and bring back that old school nineties hogs culture. So a lot of new happening. And I think that that when, when you factor that in and you factor in, we're not having OTAs, everything is, is virtual learning right now. Six wins is our ceiling. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of addition on your offensive side of the ball. Uh, there's still going to be some struggles there. Still going to struggle to score some points to some degree. I do have some questions about the possible secondary for that defense as well. That still has not improved, even though their front seven might be pretty good. And Ron Rivera's philosophy does fit them really well. I was just kind of looking over the numbers here. He obviously was the head coach from 2011 to 2019. In that time, he had two top five finishes, both in 2013, 2015. And then two others that were in the top 10, 2016, 2017, all those years, he had at least one corner uh, that he was able to hang his hat on, was able to shut down one side of the field. Because remember, he's going to run that zone scheme behind that front seven. But as long as he has in a pass rushing in seven, he has a one corner who he can at least trust on that one side. He's been able to turn in top 10 defenses for fantasy purposes. So I could see the Redskins very well doing that in this 
part as well. A little bit more fantasy relevant for this team, though, as they go with Scott Turner. Now, we have a very limited sample size of Scott Turner as an offense coordinator, as an actual play caller, because we didn't see it till the last few games of last season where he took his dad's job uh, last year. And in that time, you know, Carolina, there's not a lot to go on because Carolina was in flux. Outside of Christian McCaffrey, you had a lot of things that you were trying to get into place there and trying to figure out Kyle Allen, Will Greer, not one of the best quarterbacks in the world. Um, we can expect him to run a similar style to his dad that he has done, which is primarily let's line up in base formations, let's do play action, be a little bit maybe 52, 53% in favor of running and then passing off of that. That's kind of what you're going to expect to see out of him. How do you think that fits with the personnel that the Redskins have right now? Uh, you know, I, I love that you, that you had mentioned uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Dane, in, in your take, because we drafted a, a kid by the name of uh, Antonio Gibson that I think in Coach Rivera feels that he mirrors a CMC-like skill set. So I definitely think that he's going to he's gonna step in. We're going to have plays designated and designed for him. Our running back room is convoluted, and I think that he's going to be a piece that's going to move a lot of guys out of the way, out of the picture. Um, so, you know, that's one thing that we have to, that we have to clean up. You're right. We haven't seen a, a huge sample size of, of Scott Turner's play calling. Uh, he is a sir, the son of NFL great North. Uh, whenever you're coming from a great NFL mind like that, I remember watching North call X's and O's growing up as a kid for the, uh, the charges back when they were uh, the San Diego charges. Um, it, it, I was always astonished at the way that he utilized Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates, and, and LaDamian Thomason, you know, t- together. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, how Little Turner, with the addition of a Thaddeus small set tight end, Dwayne Haskins, who's still young at QB, you know, and can also ma- make some plays on, on, on his legs if need be as well. I'm not the most mobile QB, but he can make some plays on his leg. And then also having Antonio Gibson back there, um, in the back, but I want to see how how those that 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 selection those packages look for those guys because I think that those are going to be the, the kind of the the solid pieces of our offense to help us move forward. Um, Moss being an undrafted uh, rookie free agent, and then you know Gibson we got in the draft. We got Antonio uh, uh, Antonio Gandy Golden uh, in the draft, who's a mastermind with his one one handed catches. Um, you know, so I, I think we I think we have some pieces that we could put together the biggest problem is making sure that offense can score more than 17 points a game and and that and getting over that 17 point per game mark that's going to be the, the make or break there's a few things i want to get into one of your and what you're talking about there now first of all the first thing i want to get into is antonio gibson uh yeah i mean i've everyone heard him compare him to christian mccaffrey um Here's what I'll say on tape for him. Uh, he's only like Chris McCaffrey in the sense that, okay, yes, he can catch the ball well enough to play both running back and wide receiver, but the guy does not break tackles. The guy yeah. does not have the vision that Christian McCaffrey has. So I just kind of, because some of those kids are super excited, like, oh, maybe we have the next Christian McCaffrey on our hands. I'm like, mm. a lot of coaches are like, yeah, similar skill set. Sure, it's not the similar thing on the field. So with that, it sounded like to me that you're thinking that they might have certain packages in place for him. You're not really expecting him yeah. to on a playing time. Yeah, because I mean, you still got you still got you know old, old man AP back there. You know, um, guys, are they going to try and work him as much as they can, then trade him in the middle of the season? Because like I said, they got to move some some running back pieces. Got JD McKissick from Detroit, Peyton Barber from Tampa. So I mean, 
I think Antonio Gibson mainly gets used in like gadget plays type of scenarios. Yeah, and that brings me to my second point on that, which is talking about Norv Turner utilizing Ladanian Thomason and Thomas Jones and a couple and being able to utilize a couple of guys. But right now, the Washington backfield has like five, six guys deep. Somebody has to go. Somebody has to get cut. It's not going to be Peyton Barber because they paid him too much money to 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 bring him in in the first place. Uh, obviously, Antonio Gibson is the, the new guy they drafted. So you're talking about is is AP cut? Hard to imagine because he's kind of been the heart and soul of that team for the past couple of years. They would just move mm-hmm. on from him like that. And then on top of that, you had a guy Bryce Lovely drafted last year, knowing that you were going to have to redshirt him. Now that wasn't the same regime, yes, but arguably speaking, has a similar skill set to Antonio Gibson. Like Antonio Gibson has a similar skill set to Christian McCaffrey. So I, I, who's going to bite the dust here? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, I, I I would love to show a little bit of bias towards Bryce Love because he, he, he showed the most gratitude when we interviewed him last year, and he's just an amazing guy. But, Bryce, I think I think you and Darius might be gone. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I'm looking at as well. I, my initial instinct was maybe AP is just gone and maybe they move on because his contract wouldn't hinder them in any way. But I'm like, it's really, really hard to imagine what he's been able to bring to the locker room that they would just move on. And being that we're not talking about AP, like we're talking about Frank Gore, right? Like they've been bringing in Frank Gore to be a locker room guy, but he can't do anything on the field anymore. AP has been productive. So that's, yeah. I, that's where I just, I struggle with that whole thing. So I'm with you. Maybe it's just, okay, we have Antonio Gibson. Maybe it's JD, maybe it's Bryce, maybe it's Darius. We just all move on from you guys. And then we go in with Peyton, AP, and Gibson, and we kind of work off of that. That That's maybe what I'm envisioning there, but something's got to give. And until something gives, I don't know that I'm going to be directing anybody towards the Washington backfield at all until we get a little bit of clarity, hopefully in August, if we get back to the trading camp side. Uh, we don't have to talk about too much about Jack Del Rio because he kind of falls in line with what Ron Rivera brings to the table. But the one thing I do want to mention here is that while he's not a great head coach and while I don't think he's a great defensive coordinator from a schematic situation, I do think the guy knows how to teach fundamentals, especially across the defensive line, which is where their strength is now going to be at. So just kind of t- give me some thoughts on what you think Jack Del Rio's emphasis and what his, his, his ability for this defense is going to be. It, it's going to be that front, that, that front seven, like you mentioned, um, it's going to be bring the pain every single down, bring the house, bring, bring the blitz every single down. Um, and I, and I really think that you're going to see you're, you're going to see a lot more out of uh, out of the um, out of you know setting the edge uh, more more so to speak from from Del Rio with the addition of Chase Young. I think Chase Young is just going to be an absolute mall around there. We still got uh, Deron Payne, who is built like a freaking tank. Um, you know, we got we got pieces. Um, it's just going to be a matter of of implementing, like I mentioned earlier, culture and just getting guys excited to be a Redskin. Like when you hear that you're playing for the Washington Redskins, like unless you're Chase Young, who's from that area, like you're not exactly too stoked about it, you know? Um, so getting people excited about the culture that's being built um, and, and bringing an attitude to that defense. Uh, we brought back, we, we, we did bring back uh, uh, Kendall Fuller. We brought back Kendall mm-hmm. Fuller 
Uh, so, I mean, I, I like that addition, him coming off, you know, with that fresh scent of a Super Bowl on him. Um, I think that that he steps into the locker room. He's going to be a leader. He's going to be like, guys, listen, I was here when this defense led this team to to winning the wild card or, or well, to getting to the wild card. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, got us, he, he bounced us out of there with five seconds on the clock. But, you know, but I think he's going to step into that locker room and he's really going to be, be, be a voice and a focal point. I think that, that, that Jack is going to lean on him to kind of talk up that secondary. He's going to work very closely with Chase Young and make Chase Young become a leader for that, for that front seven. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I thought it was a good hire in the sense of what clearly you're going to be building that strength around to begin with. That's probably the one area left that I'm okay with Jack Del Rio still having a job in the NFL. Otherwise it doesn't really make too much sense anymore at this point. Real quick, guys, I want to talk about one of our sponsors here, MyBookie. You can always go to MyBookie.ag. If you put in the promo code BELLYUP, you get a 50% deposit bonus when you first sign up today. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. Again, MyBookie.ag. They have all kinds of things that you can be uh, betting on right now, even without live sports happening at the moment. So go ahead and check them out and get that 50% deposit bonus today with the promo code BELLYUP. Moving on, we have the Giants, who are the other team, for the most part, that did a complete coaching staff overhaul. Uh, a lot of things that I found hilarious, a lot of things that I disagree with. And uh, before we get into my takes, though, I'm going to let Robbie Robbie lead us on the way here with what your take is. Just give us give us you can lump Joe Judge and Jason Gary here in the in the one analysis because there's not really yeah. much to say about Joe Judge right it's, now anyway. It, it's just so so. My following hates how how much I just hate on the Giants, I guess you could say. And it's not that I'm hating on them. It's just they do this to themselves. Like, the headlines write themselves, and it's all because of David Gettleman. Uh, you're right. We can lump Joe Judge being a special teams coach and Jason Garrett, who we already know what they're going to do. Just Saquon here. Like, they're just going to run the ball. Daniel Jones puts the ball on the ground from the moment uh, from the moment of receiving the snap. He doesn't even get to fully bring the ball up and follow through and throw. Um, just he was I don't think they made much improvements personally um I think the head coaching hire was a carnival it was like a carnival um I don't know did get the Gettleman blow up a bunch of balloons and pin him to a board and just throw darts at his coaching candidates because I felt like that's what, what, what would have happened I was underneath the assumption um that they would have went with a, a Matt rule they didn't went completely left field. Um, I don't like it for this team. How is a special teams coordinator? I get that he comes from a Bill Belichick coaching tree. How does a special teams coordinator play head coach? When's the last time that we saw a Belichick coach be super, super successful? Yeah, well, the Belichick coach, yes. Uh, the special teams coach, actually, that's not unheard of. John Harbaugh, Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. was special teams coach. Jim Fossil with Giants. Uh, and and the Ravens, he was also a special teams coach when he first when he first took over a head coaching position as well. So that part's not necessarily unheard of. Uh, it was it's just rare. Really, it's rare. Yeah, I'm not saying this is a common thing that happens here, but it's not necessarily unheard of for them to have success. Bill Belichick technically was also a special teams coach, even though he had a background in defense already. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was surprising because this wasn't somebody that anybody had talked about whatsoever. So it was more that shocking point. It's the point of that out, and we're still, we don't still know we don't know yet about Brian Flores, but he's the only coach we've seen really come from the Belichick tree that has any promise. I mean, 
Technically, I guess you can make the argument that Bill O'Brien has been to the playoffs a few times, but I think every yep. step of the way we've all kind of shook in our head at what Bill O'Brien decides to do. And it's more about talent than what he's been able to bring to the table, especially the GM this off season. But yeah, with him, you don't know what kind of fantasy purposes you're going to get out of Joe Judge. It's going to be more of, are you going to be aggressive? Are you going to want, want to take those chances in certain situations, kind of like Belichick has done? Are you going to have that? Or are you just there pretty much to be a figurehead to try to bring the Patriot culture into the New York Giants? And is that all you're really there for? And uh, for me, that question was confirmed when they decided to hire Jason Garrett, which made absolutely yeah. sense. Now, for the record, I do think the Giants wanted Matt Rule. And I think Matt Rule decided, I don't want to play for David Gettleman because you're going to be gone after this year. And I'm not trying to do this whole cycle thing all over again if I'm going to be breaking into the NFL. So him going to Carolina, I thought was the smartest thing from him. So I think that's kind of what happened there. Uh, yeah, with him bringing in Jason Garrett, look, I went back. And I was like, fine, let's throw out the last whatever decade that he was a head coach. Let's just throw it away. Let's go back to when he was an offensive coordinator, 2007 to 2010. <clears throat> Technically, there was success there. Uh, he was third in total yards in 2007, 13th in 2008, second in 2009, and then seventh in 2010. So they were able to get yards. I want to remind people that they had a pretty good offense at that time. Des Bryant, Jason Witten was in his prime. Tony Romo was in his prime before his back injuries were kicking in and all that stuff. So they had a pretty good offense at that time as well. And I also want to add in the fact that he was just coming fresh off of his teaching from Sean Payton, all those teachings of which he seemingly has forgotten over the last 10 years when I had a coach. So there's a mixture of things in there to kind of unpack. So, but that was the argument I kept hearing. We're like, well, go back to when Jason Garrett was an offensive coordinator. He was successful. I'm like, okay, fine. Let's just go with your argument there. It still doesn't really add up, but fine. Um, when you're looking at the way the Giants are set up and you're looking at the way Mr. Princeton was probably going to want to run his yeah. offense, he, he's, a, he's a conservative guy by nature. So... And the, one, the biggest problem I have with the Giants right now is that outside of Darius Slayton, you have a lot of conservative players who don't know yep. stretch the field. And Daniel Jones, who I know a lot of people were really excited to buy, maybe were, was I surprised how well he performed his rookie season to some degree? Yes. Uh, but was it like, was it, did he have this rookie season where all of a sudden I'm just like, oh yeah, let's throw Daniel Jones out there. Let's not forget. Baker Mayfield set the record for rookie touchdowns. What did he look like the second year? What are our questions in the third year? Uh, Daniel Jones doesn't have a skill set where I'm just like, yeah, I put those questions to bed or I'm totally confident in you moving into the second season. And if Jason Garrett does what he, I think he wants to do, it's going to be Jones. You're primarily a play action quarterback and use you as game manager. And then all of his development goes out the window. So yeah, the, Saquon, fine. Saquon will be involved in any kind of way. If there's one thing I can trust Jason Garrett to do is use a superstar running back. Great. Outside of that, maybe Evan Ingram, because he does have no. the habit of using Jason Win Witten. He does have the habit of getting the featured tight end in there. So maybe Evan Ingram, at least in the red zone especially, will be able to get utilized if he's able to stay healthy. But I don't know how much I'm trusting any of the other wide receivers. Go ahead. What did you want to say to that? that that's exactly what I was going to say. You you just wrapped out that, that, that Ingram take perfectly. If he can stay healthy. I think that Kadem Smith is, is going to be the guy that you guys are, are going to want to be going after more. So um, I just think that Ingram is, is, is injury prone for real. Um, I, I don't, I don't have much faith in Ingram. I mean, but yeah, you're right. They're going to, they're going to utilize the hell out of Barkley. Daniel Jones, definitely going to be, be made a game manager. New York. Why aren't you calling Cam Newton? Well, yeah. 
Look, I, I mean, did you have the report there with David Gettleman, right? But at the same time, Gettleman knows his job is contingent on Daniel Jones improving. If Daniel Jones doesn't improve and take the next step up, then he will. I already think he's going to be fired at the end of the season, but he will definitely 100% be fired if Daniel Jones oh, yeah. isn't able to play in the 16 games. So that's why you don't call Cam Newton there. And you can't bring. You, look. I know Cam has backed off what he said, and he's saying now he'll take a backup job somewhere. But if you're any team who has a young quarterback in development, you can't bring Cam in. That's the nope. problem. That's Jameis had to go. Say that with James. Jameis had to go to New Orleans where you had Drew Brees. There's no question. The only place that I think Cam can go is is Tampa Bay. That's the only place I think he can go. That, that's the only one that makes any sense to me because there's no question who the starting quarterback is there. You can sit behind, you can go in a good system that will be for you, maybe heal up for a year, maybe that'll be the best thing for you. That's the only place you can't go somewhere where someone's trying to develop a young quarterback because it's you're just gonna bring another next time. That, I like that. I love that view. <laughs> I love that view. I love that. That is great, man. I have no words for that one. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, but that, that's the way I kind of had to look at it. So, look, getting back to Giants real quick, uh, just from a fantasy perspective, because you're talking about Sterling Shepard, you're talking about Golden Tate, and I think you're talking about wide receiver fours, wide receiver fives at best in fantasy football. Darius Slayton's the only one that I think has potential to be a wide receiver three, but even in his situation, it's going to be less about where he finishes at the end of the year. Because at the end of the year, I don't know if he finishes in wide receiver three territory. It's going to be about... Can you utilize him for DFS or from a, a certain week where he has a good matchup where he's going to be able to win you the week because of his big playability? But I don't know how high up the chain he's really going to be to finish at the end of the year either. He's going to be one of those type of players, I think, under this system, especially. Remember, Jason Garrett, when he was offensive coordinator, his best times when he had Des Bryant, who's a true typical mm. perimeter type of wide receiver to be able to utilize. Giants do not have a prototypical perimeter receiver uh, of that kind of build on their roster anywhere. And that's where I think it's going to get a little bit interesting, especially if he's going to be conservative like we think he will be. I want to move on here to the Minnesota Vikings. I want to move on to Gary Kubiak. There's not a ton to take out of this because not a lot is going to change. But what do you think Kubiak taking over? What is there anything you think there can change or you just think that their offense is going to take off of what they have? I, yeah, I think their, their offense is, is going to take off what they have. I mean, a lot of people... A lot, a lot of Vikings fans were like, oh, no, we just lost Stefan Diggs. Vikings fans that are listening to today's show, don't worry. I'm going to ease you, okay? You have, one, a sleeper in Bissy Johnson who was emerging last year. Two, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Justin freaking Jefferson. Come on, guys. We saw what he did uh, all, all last year at LSU. And then we also saw what I think is a big, important piece um, a film that you look at that you can really grade this kid on is the national championship. The fact that he played in that big game and he performed at such a high level, what was it? Four TDs, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, the fact that he had performed at, at, at a high level in a big game like that for 16 games during the NFL season. And whenever the, the, the Vikings make it to the playoffs, nothing, the stage is never going to be too big for him. He is already now groomed because of the atmosphere of where he came from at LSU ready for the NFL. You definitely got to draft you some Justin Jefferson. Um, and I think because he's a rookie, he can maybe fall to you and you can wait. And there's so much value at receiver that in this year in drafts, whether it's dynasty or redraft, you're, you can wait for Justin Jefferson to fall, to fall to you. Um, I think the Vikings possibly, like I said, say the same and they could possibly overthrow the NFC North. I think that everyone's sleeping on them just because they lost Stefan Davis. 
I can 1000% completely agree with you, Robbie. Look, I'm in the middle of getting through my projections and rankings. I cannot wait until I've hammered out what numbers exactly I think Justin Jefferson is going to have. I am a bigger fan of Jerry Judy. I'm a bigger fan of CD Lamb. But when it comes to a fantasy production standpoint, I don't think there's going to be a rookie who's going to be in a better situation to provide you with fantasy production than Justin Jefferson this season. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. I, uh, I, I'm just. I don't want to get off on a ramp, but what I do want to say is real quick: the Philadelphia Eagles are stupid. And I, I don't want to go off on too much of a rant, so yeah. I'm just going to leave that comment there. But yes, Justin Jefferson coming in. First of all, he wowed everybody the fact that he was faster than anybody thought he was. Running, running a four four one, I believe it was the four 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 three, one of those two at the forty at the scouting combine. We already knew this was a guy who could play inside and outside. And all I heard after the draft was, and this is from you know lesser maybe intelligent fans that, that we hear this from, but oh, who's going to play the slot? It's going to be both. Gary Gubiak is going to rotate both of them. That's the whole point. You have Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, both by BTW can block a little bit on the outside when one of them lines on the yep. outside, which is important for the outside zone scheme of Gary Kubiak. He wants to run the football. And you can rotate them based on mismatches. If anything, Justin Jefferson fits more what Gary Kubiak wants to do than Stephon Diggs did anyway. So it doesn't make any sense to me that there's even a, a question mark, a concern in any kind of way about who's going to be playing the slot. Who's It's going yep. to be interchangeable. That's the whole point. They fit perfectly. They're going to be playing a lot of 12 personnel. Herb Smith, Kyle Rudolph are going to be on the field at the same time with those guys. And it's going to be a lot of two receivers lined up to one side. So one can play the outside, one can play the inside while they have the 12 tight end set set up. That's what they're going to be doing. Dalvin Cook, obviously, there's other than injury, which I still do have a concern of, and I'm not really sure why people are there's I've talked about this in a couple times in some of my shows. I'm not there seems to be this narrative out there that because he didn't have a soft tissue injury that a lot of people are not concerned because they keep putting him in the top five. And I don't necessarily argue with him being in the top five or fantasy concerned, but no one seems to want to mention the fact that I'm like, I'm still very, very concerned that he could wind up with a hamstring issue just because we're one year removed from that happening. He still didn't make it through a whole 16 game season. So I don't know why that's changed. I love Dalvin. The injury thing, taking him the top five scares me. I can't argue with that point. But as long as he's on the field, the point is he's going to be great for Kubiak. They don't miss a beat with their passing attack. And in fact, if anything, I can see Kirk Cousins taking a step up in that system this year. First of all, Kirk Cousins' skill set fits that system. They mm-hmm. seem like they wanted to keep him as a game manager. They wanted to play super conservative after coming off the year before with John DeFlipio, who was wildly too open with the offense and just kind of wanted to get back to basics with what they wanted to do. I think this year you'll see them open things up a little bit more within that scheme. And this scheme doesn't change with Gary Kubiak. And by the way, Kevin Stefanski, 
was not a Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan disciple before he came into Minnesota and was the offensive coordinator. That was Gary Kubiak's offense that they ran last year to begin with. Now, Stefanski's adopting it for when he goes to Cleveland. That's a whole different story, but that wasn't really what he was before he came in there. So the idea that Minnesota has lost a beat in any kind of way, I completely disagree with, and I agree with you. They have a real chance here to take over the AFC North. Uh, real quick, guys, I want to let you know about our sponsor, The Fanatics. You can always go to our social media on Twitter, on Facebook, at MDSFF Show for Twitter, at MDFF Show for Facebook. Find the link there. They have deals every single week that you guys can go ahead and check out. So make sure you go out and check Fanatics.com today now let's switch let's switch a beat because this is going to get really really interesting i want to talk about the miami dolphins i want to talk about chan gailey and a couple other things to come with them robbie what is your take on chan gailey with miami moving forward so like chan gailey is like old school throwback like like, like offensive coordinator you know like you know that you're bringing you're bringing you're bringing in a mastermind but they also have uh kevin o'connell from, from my washington Redskins that's there as well um uh, kevin o'connell's on the rams or oh no he went to the Rams. my fault but read that wrong no problem. <laughs> um but uh i mean uh chan gailey you know that definitely um you know he's been around the block a a, a whole lot um coming off of him working with the jets the Jets aren't like, like the Jets. Ha, ha, they, they 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 didn't show shows like 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 amazing flashes or like leaps and bounds. Um, are they going to be able to do that? Is Shanghai going to be able to 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 take I guess the philosophy that he wanted to give to the Jets, bring it down to Miami, and somehow make us forget that he ever was was coordinating the Jets playbook? That part I have I have worry about, but you have to Tonga Baloa. You went out and you got him an offensive line. Devontae Parker's coming along. Preston Williams is coming along. But you still have no running game because, well, it's Kalen Balage. Um, I, I want Miami to do good. I want to feel good about Miami. I think the defense helps them. I still don't like the offense. I still don't like the offense. I, I still, still... How many are they going to actually put points on the board? Like they don't have a running game, and that's and I think that's the biggest question mark for me. Well, I mean, with the additions of Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, I think will help to some of that to some degree. I mean, Jordan Howard has a career of plus four yards per carry. Um, it's not it's not as bad as it was last year with Kalen Blige and Miles Gaskin. That that part is yeah. definitely improved upon in that sense. But the running game was never Chad Gailey's uh, strong suit to begin with. I mean, uh, when he was on the Jets, 2015-2016 was their best year. They were the 10th in total offense that year. That was also the same year uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brandon Marshall. And uh, I'm drawing a blank, but they had a couple of weapons that year. Um, Wasn't um, trying to remember who the running backs were. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was drawing Bilal a blank Powell? on that, too. Bilal Powell was back there. Yeah, he was one of them. I- I'm drawing a blank on that, too, at the moment. Um, they were effective in the passing game, though. And with with Matt Breida back there, I think they're going to have a nice little one-two punch. Now, of course, that comes with the caveat of, you know, how long does Matt Breida stay healthy for? But Jordan Howard has been pretty solid throughout. So they should have, let's put it this way, they'll have a competent rushing ability attack. Uh, I think my real question was, I'm not really 100% sure what Chad O'Shea did to warrant him getting fired last season. You're talking about the Miami Dolphins, who had almost next to zero talent. 
he would, they were able to actually move the ball pretty effectively towards the end of last season. Devontae Parker was able to go on a wide receiver one tear for almost the entire second half of last year. Um, I know it seems like wherever Ryan Fitzpatrick gets a job, Chan Gailey somehow winds up getting a job either that year or the following year. He just followed him his entire career, essentially. But usually when Chan Gailey comes in, especially for that second year of Ryan Fitzpatrick, it doesn't wind up going very well. And I do believe the whole reason they brought him in is because their idea was they were going to try to give Ryan Fitzpatrick the start this season, at least the beginning, and hope that I think they really wanted to ride him out all the way through the year and not play Tua until 2021. I don't think that's going to wind up being the case because no. there's been plenty of times where we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick, the magic goes out that second time around. Uh, and I don't see why that's going to change in any kind of way here. The one thing I will say about Chan Gailey, he does like to open things up. He does like to run the run, run and gun type of offense. He does like to try to go four wide. So they are going to be a bit aggressive in that sense when it comes to the wide receivers like Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Robbie, what do you got for me? I saw you signaling over there. Oh, no, I was just trying to try. Uh, my, my, my headphones were acting, were acting a little bit weird. Um, no, no problem. Chan Gailey, when he had when, when, when they, he had a decent running game, it was Matt Forte back there. And Matt Thank Forte okay, was, yes. was scoring. How did we uh, that look, look? That's showing our age. That's showing our age because not only did we not remember Matt Forte, which we should remember Matt Forte, but like memory loss, bro. Um, <laughs> Jordan Howard and Matt Brita, I I, I worry I, I, I worry about them as a tandem. Um, Brita has always kind of been he's never been the one. He's always been the two three punch, um, which is what he'll be here. Howard will be the one. Yeah, Howard. I, I, I feel like there was a reason why the why the Bears moved on from him. The Eagles moved on for, for from him. Mediocre at best. Um, I, I feel like it, I feel like once this team they they get their 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 running game situated and they they, they get quality generational talent level running backs. Uh, then we could be looking looking at, at, at something different. I don't think that the Dolphins, the Dolphins, in terms of personnel and in terms of on paper, made improvements. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that the, the talent added will reflect in the record shown at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. That that point. I mean, the AFC East is going to be open to some degree because I do think the New England Patriots are going to take a serious step down here. Um, so I do think they have a chance to, you know, be an eight and eight, nine and seven, be at the, my, frankly, be a Miami Dolphins team. Uh, we've kind of grown used to, to used to seeing, uh, it will still be, that will be considered a step in the right direction for them. If that winds up happening, which is completely fine. But that's what I think we, I do agree with you there is what we could see. Um, especially when we're talking about, you know, the wide receivers, Preston Williams, Dante Parker, I love those guys. Uh, I, Chan Gilly does a lot of favors for wide receivers. So if you're worried about Parker's value or about Preston Williams value, that's not going to go anywhere. That's going to be able to stay whole. Uh, I think, and I think really the key is when does Tua take over and when he takes over from a redraft perspective, only obviously dynasty, you're going to have him on your team for a redraft perspective. I think Tua could be a very interesting streamer whenever that winds up happening. Yep. I think it'll be September. Uh, it might be into October when that happens. I think they want to try to get at least through the first month, but I'm one of the people who's been advocating that Tua is healthier than people seem to want to give him credit for. He will be able to take part in training camps. He would be, from a health standpoint, ready for week one. So because of that, I do think it's going to be sooner in the season rather than later. And I guess with Gailey, from a fantasy perspective, I like what he's going to do from the offense. I don't think he's going to be there very long because typically his offenses don't stay efficient for more than a season. And that's usually why he winds up getting chased out of wherever he goes to. 
for your Jordan Howard part, I, I agree. Jordan Howard serves a purpose when he's on a team, but he's not any, he's not somebody anybody wants to be their featured guy moving forward as they yeah. improve as a team. So that's why they keep moving on from him. But he is a guy who can get you to where you need to go at the time being, which I think all the Dolphins are looking for, because clearly if they're going Chan Gailey, if they're with the way they ran the offense last year, clearly they're looking, this would be an aerial assault first and a running game second. And I'm fine with that, especially when you're talking about guys like Devontae Parker, Preston Williams. Mm-hmm. The one guy I would need to touch on real quick, because a lot of people are hyping him up, is Mike Gusecki. I like Mike Gusecki's talent. I always have. Chan Gailey does not have the history of featuring a tight end in his offense in any kind of way. Now, there's an argument out there that it can be made that he hasn't necessarily had a great tight end to go to, but my argument to that is his run-and-gun offense does not naturally feature a tight end to begin with. What's your take here on Mike Gusecki real quick? Um, so yeah, no, this is, they're, they're not going to feature. If you go back to that offense and one of the things I was actually going to mention, um, they're not going to feature my, my, my a whole lot. Look for maybe, um, a receiver, if anything, like a wide receiver three or like a wide receiver two step up and kind of get some notoriety. Like, Quincy Anuma did back in those Jets days, you know, where he came up and it was like, oh, everyone hype on Brandon Marshall and Anuma came up, but you know, once again, we can't sit back and remember, remember who the hell the tight end was back then, you know. Um, so don't expect Jaseki to be to be featured highly um, in this this Miami offense. Uh, but I do like what you mentioned about you know maybe they are just trying to get from point A to point B right now, uh, develop some of these guys, coach them up, and then trade them away, make them look good on film. So I, I wanted to you know just just say that I, I second that. Yeah, it just seems to be the way it's going. I know a lot of people are really excited about him, especially in dynasty leagues. They want to make him a top 10 tight end this year. And I have some serious question marks about that. I understand he finished top 12 last year, but let's also keep in mind, he finished top 12 having like three good games, four, you could argue, decent games. And that's kind of how he made the top 12 of the tight end. It wasn't something that was a week-to-week consistency that you could really count on any kind of way. So let's not get carried away uh, with that. The last team that we want to talk about here on today's show, because remember, this is a two-parter, so I'm going to be back next week when we talk about the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Browns, and 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 Panthers, and we'll get into those teams next week. The last thing I want to talk about this week, though, is, is the Rams. And they bring in... They bring in two coordinators. They bring in Kevin O'Connell to be their offensive coordinator. They bring in defensive coordinator, first-time defensive coordinator. He's going to be Brandon Staley, who was the linebackers coach. Obviously, fantasy show. Let's start off with Kevin O'Connell coming from the Washington Redskins last year. Uh, what do you think Kevin O'Connell brings to the table? Do you think he's really going to be able to make any changes to this Rams offense, or is McVay just going to keep taking over? So I think that... McVay knows the game so well that that one he can take over at over at any point. And I think that if he does, I don't think that it's going to be a bad thing for the Rams' offense. So I mean, that 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 be it. Step one. Step two. I think Kevin O'Connell's hire speaks more along the lines of, "Oh my gosh, you sat down, you had a cup of coffee with McVay, you're hired now." Um, don't get me wrong though. I mean, O'Connell, he he showed he showed he showed some flashes um, uh, in DC. I don't think that he got any type of real credit in DC because, and this is just my take other Redskins fans out there can hate me for it. But I felt like the way that the organization was being ran for us was Jay Gruden was that kid in the class project that doesn't really do any of the work, but just sits back and takes the credit for it. You know what I mean? Um, so pretty kitchen play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully this is O'Connell's opportunity with this, hopefully means more for for O'Connell is that he gets an opportunity to sit in the driver's seat 
and actually, you know, and and showcase, and he, he actually received the credit for the product that's taking place on the field. Um, I think the Rams, they've kind of given took a couple of pieces, both offensively and defensively. So I don't think they're going to exactly be the same team. Um, O'Connell's not going to have like a tog early to work back there with. Uh, we all know that I'm not super hyped about Daryl Henderson. Um, I just think that the guy needs to be a little bit more enthused about life in general, to be honest. Um, if you're not enthused about life, how are you going to be enthused about putting your shoulder through, through somebody's face? Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, I, I'm not too hype on, on, on the, on the Rams running game. Um, O'Connell would utilize AP a lot to kind of be that hammer. He's not going to have a hammer really. Do the Rams maybe lose two or three extra games this year? Possibly. Um, I just feel like like that the, the luster of their, their, their Super Bowl appearance is just starting to like wear off over the years. And they're starting to kind of just go down. Yeah, um, I don't disagree with that. Look, first of all, it's a jam-packed NFC West. That's, that's mm-hmm. so You're already going to have the trouble of the fact that you're probably playing the best division in football to begin with. This isn't a bad team we're talking about. As far as what schematically is going to break down, the, when they talked about this, Sean McVay said he would consider maybe handing over play calling. I took that as a, yeah, I don't really want to, and therefore I'm not going to kind of deal. I do agree with you. Kevin O'Connell showed me a lot last year, I thought. I do, I completely 100% contribute the improvement that Dwayne Haskins was able to make over the season to Kevin O'Connell and what he was trying to do with that offense was very, very limited weapons. Let's not forget Terry McLaurin made a name for himself. Terry McLaurin was still only a rookie. Uh, And that was the only weapon that they really had on a consistent basis. So he was actually, let's also keep this in mind, as much as Ron Rivera already had the rapport with Scott Turner, there was, it was down to the wire where they were considering keeping Kevin O'Connell on the staff. It wasn't until... Uh, much later on in the process, they decided they would ultimately go with Scott Turner. But that's how much Kevin O'Connell, I think, did in a way make a reputation for himself because even Ron Rivera was really seriously considering keeping him there uh, before bringing his guy in. So it's going to be a question of, okay, yes, obviously from a career standpoint for just O'Connell in and of himself, this is obviously I want to become a head coaching job because uh, to me, Matt LaFleur being under Moshaw McVay is the only reason he has a head coaching job today. Uh, so I think Ken O'Connell's looking at that from what he's going to do from the offense. It's hard to tell because I don't know how much big Bay's going to give way to what Kevin O'Connell wants to implement or put in. And to me, the moves the Rams have made, including in the draft makes it very, very clear that we're going to see something very similar to what we saw towards the end of last year. We're going to see more 12 personnel. We're going to see them be utilized as more of an intermediate type offense. They're not going to take deep shots. Uh, and, and if you think that they are, all you have to look at is the fact that they got rid of Brandon Cooks. The guy they drafted in Van Jefferson to replace him is more of a Cooper Cup type. And therefore, they don't have any deep field threats as a result of that. So clearly, that's not going to be part of the game strategy. Making sure that one level of the field, that one side of the field is taking the safety out of the box is no longer going to be a priority. I kind of wonder if Sean McVay is da- adapting a Kyle Shanahan type of offense. I think that what his, that's what his goal is right now. And that's what he's looking to do. I see. What do you want to say? What's so unique about that is I always, you know, many of us, we always say that it's, this is a copycat league and McVay is one of the fastest learners and one of the most memorable minds. When we talk about studying X's and O's on that, on that, that that big board. Um, I I love that. You just mentioned that take because he has probably sat back and studied that Kyle Shanahan offense year after year. Um, Big point deficit and big game after big point deficit and big game for Shanahan with his uh 
Falcons than than the 49ers. Um, but I mean, I, I think I think you're right. I think he is trying to trying to move into that 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 Shanahan as style of offense. Right. Uh, I'm interested to, to to see how that works out for them. Running, well, running. Makes a lot of sense his style of offense was already pretty similar. He was more focused on the passing aspect of it, but he already believed in the outside zone running scheme. That's what they were successful with with Todd Gurley. They already believed in the concept of the levels concept, which also comes from the Mike Shanahan, the godfather of this whole you know thing, comes from that system to begin with. So it's already pretty similar. He just had a more pass focused take on it than he did a run focused take. I think that's going to shift this year. I um. Now, coming to that with fantasy purpose and talking about the running back situation, the running backs are too crowded, too concerning to me to really pinpoint any which one. You talked about the hammer. I think Malcolm Brown can be the hammer. I think Malcolm Brown is going to be the starter for at least the first few weeks, and he's going to have the goal line work. He's going to have the short yardage work. I don't know when Cam Akers exactly gets worked in. I love Cam Akers' talent. Don't get me wrong. I think he fits what they want to do perfectly as well. I don't know this season, his rookie year, how much he's really going to play because he is probably one of the worst blocking running backs coming out of the draft. And it's really, really hard for rookies who have that issue to get consistent playing time throughout the year. On top of the fact we mentioned Malcolm Brown's a younger guy, Darrell Henderson's a younger guy, both of them better pass protectors. Both of them have a decent skill set within this system as well. When you mix all that in, you get a mess. Kind of the four ers backfield is a mess. It could be, it could just be a high hand approach. There's a lot of different ways that this could go. I don't know what running back I'm going to want to. You're going to want to have a Rams running back. This is going to be productive, but which one is it going to be? I can't really pinpoint this moment. If you put a gun to my head, I have to say Malcolm Brown for running. Maybe Daryl Henderson is going to be a little bit more involved in the passing game. We'll see if and when Cam Akers gets his shot. He may need to be nothing more than a streaming or a stash type of draft in redraft leagues for this season. Mm-hmm. I love his output. If you're looking at it for Cam Akers and Dynasty Purpose, and you're looking at what it what the leaves are trying to tell you that it looks like the Rams are looking to try to do moving forward as far as what their scheme's going to be. I love Cam Akers down the road. I think he has as big as big of a ceiling as the J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor or, or DeAndre Swift or whoever you want to throw out there. But for this season, I think it might be more Malcolm Brown, might be more Daryl Henderson. It's going to be an effective group overall. I hate this for Jared Goff, though. I do. I really hate this for Jared Goff because. What's going to happen at best? Jared Goff has a high ceiling this season because with you taking away the deep ball, you're taking away those explosive plays, you're taking away those big games. If it's all going to be we're play action 15 yards based on extra bases or short yardage bootlegs, uh, from an NFL standpoint, I think Jared Goff actually has the chance to look like the best quarterback version of himself from an NFL standpoint. But from a fantasy standpoint, I don't know how much upside he has. And let, let me just, just you know, I want to put this out there, you know, for everyone that's listening to us on like the reality NFL side and then also the fantasy football side, Big Bay is doing this so that he can have golf for significantly longer. If I can, if I can limit the, how, how far downfield you have to put the ball now, early in your career, and get you used to this style of play now, Oh, we could probably win for a couple more years to come because we're getting you comfortable and we're keeping you healthy. It's you, you don't have to worry about all, all the arm surgeries in the off season. It works out great. So that's why the deep ball is being 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 taken away. It is for protection of golf as he gets older in his career. Well, and literal protection too, right? Because they haven't done much that offensive line to make it healthier. I think it's another reason why you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. Like you saw towards the end of last season, they started being able to run the ball a little bit better. They started being able to protect golf a little bit better when they went to that. To me, this is a huge indication, a huge indication of that. Um, just 
quick thing, uh, just since we're talking about the Rams, uh, I, there's been some question marks about what Van Jefferson's value is going to be if Cooper Cup is, in fact, going to move on next season, which I tend to think now they drafted Van Jefferson, that's what we're looking at. Uh, obviously, from a dynasty standpoint, I do want to stash him. I don't think he's going to have much of an impact this year in any kind of way. But from a dynasty standpoint, I could see him having a little bit of an impact because I, I don't know why you draft Van Jefferson unless you truly are looking to move on from Cooper Cup. I think it'd be the stupidest thing in the world. There's, there's not too many quarterback wide receiver rapports that, that are better than Jared Goff and Cooper Cup. But I don't know why you would draft Van Jefferson in the second round unless that was your plan all along. No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, Cooper Cup, he, and he's going to be a guy that's going to get paid next year, whether he stays or whether he goes. Uh, cap issues. Yeah, so I mean, maybe they're just sitting back and, you know, praying um, that, 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 that Cup stays. But I mean, Cup is owed a lot of money. I think Cup wants a ring um, for all the all the putting his body on the line that he's been doing. No, I, I, I agree with that point uh, as well. So just to kind of recap your fantasy perspective, I think Robert Woods is Robert Woods. Cooper Cup will be Cooper Cup for this year. I love Tyler Higby. He's a top 10 tight end. Yes, it will be Tyler Higby over Gerald Everett this year. Uh, I know some people wanted to, I was having, a, I can't remember who it was now. I was having this argument with somebody who was like, well, Jared Everett was hurt. I'm like, Everett came back towards the end of the season. Higby usurped them. It was done. It was over. He was, he was the backup tight end. Uh, so it's definitely going to be Higby this season. And Jared Goff, to me, is going to be a guy who's going to probably finish quarterback 15, quarterback 16, might be able to get you some weeks where he just kind of solidifies your quarterback position where you're not getting hurt from it. But I don't those days of Goff being a possible winner for you, I don't think are going at least they're going to be gone at least for this season with the, the style that I expect them to really be able to play. Facts. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, just kind of touch about that because they do have some talent there. They used to be a really heavily fantasy owned defense. I don't know how much they're going to be anymore. I, I don't know how I don't of all the coordinators that got moved on from that. I disagree with. I don't know why you move on from Wade Phillips. It blows, blows my mind, blows my mind, but they go with Brandon Staley here. Areas is what that is. Say that again. Trying to save money in the wrong areas is what that is. Yeah. It may no it may no sense. Uh, everywhere Wade Phillips goes, he always has a great defense every, every time. I don't, I, and I'm always flabbergasted when someone moves on from him because the defense undoubtedly uh, regresses the following year when he when he leaves, and then you replace him with a guy who did study under him for some time. But this is going to be his first defensive coordinator job, so you replace him with complete inexperience. Uh, frankly, at that issue, and we're talking about guys like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Brandon Staley himself, his main system that he he tries to come from. Uh, is actually kind of like a, a 34 Carolina system. Kind of if you took Ron Rivera, made him a 34 type of guy, that's what he does. He likes to run that zone, that cover three on the back back four. Pretty sure that's why Jalen Ramsey wanted the hell out of Jacksonville in the first place, because he didn't want to do that. So I I don't know. What's your take here with what they did on defense? Dude, I couldn't agree more. Expect for the diva and the attitude problems, despite them backing up the Brinks truck for him to come back. Jalen Ramsey is going to be snapping at some point this season. Um, I don't know how. I don't know why. It, it's just it's, it's just going to happen. I mean, you're not having the, having the same experience. And like you mentioned, you're putting him back in the same scheme that he did not like in Jacksonville. Sorry, Jalen. But you did it to yourself. I just wanted all this money. So you got to sit with it and deal with it. Right. Well, that that's the thing is that I think the Rams, from their perspective, I think they're hoping because they paid him that they won't have those issues necessarily. 
But how many times have we seen that really want to be the case? You are who you are, no matter what kind of paycheck you're getting. That that's that's pretty much what it boils down to. Uh, so it, I look the Rams defense. They're going to be a defense that on paper should be able to get a pass rush on paper should be able to get some turnovers. If you're looking from a fancy perspective, but I'm telling you right now, they did nothing to be able to help their problems with stopping the run. And mm-hmm. I question the scheme fit to a high degree. And when you're playing against, you're going to play against Cardinals who improved twice. You're going to play against San Francisco. Who's great against the run twice. You're going to play against Seattle who has Russell Wilson and has some weapons there. It's now growing with them with, with Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf twice. Uh, there's going to be that's half the season pretty much right there that I don't know how much I'm going to want to play the Rams defense for fantasy football purposes. Exactly. Um, I, I was just about to say, I'm probably going to try my best to, to, to fade picking up the Rams defense. Um, if I do, it's going to be a, a, on a week to week basis. So it'll be a streaming type of streaming. type. Of deal. Yeah, I, I com- completely, completely agree with that. That wraps up the show for today. Robbie, thank you so much for coming on. You're absolutely great to have here, especially we're talking about coaching changes with our with our knowledge of football. It's a lot of, it's a big time conversation to have. Tell everybody once again where where to find you, but also what it is you're working on next so they can make sure they go ahead and check that out. Um, yeah, so I mean, you guys are going to be checking out this episode today, 5-8. Catch me tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern on my YouTube and Sportscaster, Rumboys Fantasy Network. Just type it into the search bar. Search, search bar. Wow. Um, but yeah, we'll be having our, our panel debate, Rumboys After Dark, every Friday night. Catch us on Rumboys.com. You can find me at Rumboys, spelled the Z, N-E-T, just the way it, it says. Let's say it there. Um, but yeah, and I appreciate being on the uh, NBA's Fantasy Football Show. Dan, it's always a pleasure being on your show we, we, we shouldn't make these things yearly. We should do this, do this a little bit more often, bro. <laughs> uh, I, no, I agree. We're going to, we're going to get, we're going to get on each other's show a little bit more often. I think this season, uh, no. we're, we're, we're going to need it, especially with the, the lack of content going on. We're going to need some more, uh, joint, joint episodes together for sure. Cause I always love talking football with you, man. Uh, yeah, we're going to be back next week. It'll be the coaching changes, fantasy impact part two, go over some of those other teams that we were talking about that had some pretty impactful changes, some really exciting stuff next week. Uh, I don't know who we're going to get on the show for that. We'll see. We'll see how it goes this following week. Everything's always up in the air. But you make sure you follow us on Twitter at MBSFF Show. You can always get those news update notifications. We are on top of that 24-7 all the time for you guys. And you can always check us out on Facebook at MDFF Show. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and check us out on Sportscaster at MDFF Belly Up US. And we're going to see you guys all next week. Everybody take care, stay safe, and be healthy. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 